Good evening. I have been asked by the producers of the show to explain that during last week's show, there were several moments when Norma Snocker's titters could be heard during the reading of the news. This was due to technical malfunction, and we would like to assure the listener that this will not happen this week, as there won't be anything remotely amusing in tonight's show. And yes, that is different from normal. I can see that the newsreaders have their dinner suits and evening gowns on, they've brushed their hair and adjusted their bow ties. No, Harry, that's not funny and it's not clever. You wear it round your neck. Please take your seats as this evening's show is about to commence. Our mics are live. Good evening, good evening everyone. I'm Rudolf Hacker, your host for this evening, and I'm very sensible. I'm Harry Balzac, and I'm very sensational. I'm Wilma Fingerdoo, and I'm very sensitive. Go on, try. I'm Mia Harkness, and I am not getting fooled like that a second time. Mum's only just recovered. I'm Hoinkeer, and I'm a sensation from the upper lip outwards. I'm Norma Snuckers, and I'm a sentinel. Nothing gets past me. Oh, you! Oh, um, right then. I suppose it might be time for some news. Does my limpet look big in this? Sleeping Beauty, more like a dozing. Pirate hack attack as weapons go crackers. Explorers rejoice as the Dysonator comes back online. Fleet carriers spring a leak. An urgent alert from Hackswing. Several systems send pesky pirates packing. You'd need a time turner to attend all of these events. <laughs> Not all limpets are equal. Some are more equal than others, or so the saying goes. With the launch of the latest multi-limpet controllers as featured in previous weeks, the galaxy has been bogged down in a little bit of controversy over a rather weighty issue. Ships loading up with the latest in controller technology paired with their chosen daily activity out there in the black and loaded up with limpets were left quite literally unable to launch from the pad. The problem <coughs> was massive. The new controllers and the accompanying limpets were far heavier than expected. The largest weighing in at over 160 tonnes, uh, without limpets. Given that the space the controller occupied was little more than a briefcase in size, it did beg the question, what had happened for the controller to put on so much weight? Had it overindulged in mince pies? Was it skipping leg day at the gym, or even going overboard on the weights machine and protein shakes? Nothing so odd. Quite simply, there had been a mix-up of the 
periodic table kind, and a lost decimal point that meant the chips weren't chips, they were boulders of doped semiconductors, gold connectors, and the casing was made out of lead. Four-inch thick lead. It's suspected that too much partying over at the manufacturer's HQ, which we understand was under outbreak quarantine and where parties were banned, may have been at fault, with the manufacturing team approaching their computers the next morning with more than a little sore head. We approached Manticore for comment, and all they could say was, We'd like to make it very clear that there were no parties. It was a design meeting with wine and cheese. And pass the parcel and pin the tail on the mockaging beast, but definitely not a party. We would try and prove this, but it appears someone mistook the security camera for a coat rack, and the audio recording got all sticky when someone spilled the fondue on the microphone. However... It wasn't a party. Anyway, we've recalled the Olympic controllers and they're now back to their proper weight, so there's nothing to see here. We would believe them, but we've been sent photographs from the end of the meeting quiz. And at least two of the participants are sporting red noses and paper hats, which don't appear to conform to appropriate outbreak prevention regulations, or at least not when worn at a jaunty angle like that. Back in September, we brought you this piece of news. We've got a contender for Commander Deluvian's crown trying to be the person who manages to fly furthest out into the black and return, but this time without the fuel rats. Well, at least that's the plan. Commander Enchantmen, not Enchantment, is planning to take a fleet of ships to Isham's Reach, then set off in the black to go as far as possible and then jump back. And they've been doing this in a Type 9. Lakeland's long-distance space cow. At the time, we promised to bring you news of any developments, but we haven't, because there wasn't any. A couple of weeks later, Enchantment arrived at Oevesi SGYD0, that's I should reach, and they bought a cactus called Phil to talk to, partly because Enchantment likes talking to cactuses, but mostly because you can't get a bobblehead in the shape of a volleyball. That's all. Total silence from that point. Speculation was rife that Enchantment had set off into the void and was still travelling in a straight line. But we feared the worst when the date that would have marked the furthest they could possibly have gone before all of their ships exploded, far, far from what we like to call civilization, with a puff of gas and a completely pointless eject, 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 emanating from their cockpit speaker and their body, hopefully encasing an escape pod, drifting for eternity, so distant that its signal would never reach a ship. No hope of rescue until eventually the batteries were drawn down and the lifeless escape pod would contain a lifeless ex-commander. But we don't like to dwell on things, so we just assumed that there wouldn't be a story and we moved on. All that changed, however, a few days ago when, well, let's just let the commander tell the tale. Day 127. Apparently, the cryopod's timer was set to weeks, not hours. Good to know. On a related note, I am now several months behind schedule. Fortunately, I removed my clones, er, I mean fellow pilots' ability to act independently, so they've been patiently waiting for me. Time to get this train wreck rolling. Day 128. Barely 12 hours in and I've encountered a problem. While I was asleep, the ships drifted out of sensor range with each other. I can use a beacon to allow them to home in on one another, but the piece of junk antenna I put on this thing just doesn't work in cruise, Super Cruise. 
I had the ships rendezvous and squinted really hard at the nav ball to get them lined up as well as I could. Hopefully that'll fix the drift issue. Day 132. Good news, the drift issue is still there. Yeah, Phil, I know that's not good news. Just be quiet. Had to spend an extra hour in Super Cruise to meet up to refuel. It's getting late, so I'll do it tomorrow. Had an idea on how to fix the drift for next time, though. Day 133. Fun fact. Kovas doesn't actually tell you when the fuel tank is full. How did I learn this? By wasting 60 to 70 fully loaded limpets, of course. It's my own fault, I really told Vivian Glowen 1 to keep shooting limpets until my Kovas reported it was full. My Kovas didn't say anything, so she shipped. She kept shooting. Stop laughing at me, Phil. I'm not watering you this week, I mean it. Some back-of-the-envelope maths shows I lost 5-15 light-years or so. I took out my frustration by ramming into the cluster of spent limpets. It was rather satisfying, although in hindsight, perhaps I should have rammed the one containing 60-70 to tonnes of fuel. Once refueling was done, I had Vivienne, Clone 1, transfer over to another ship and hit the self-destruct on Curly. At least, I'm pretty sure I told her to transfer over. Phil... I remember to transfer her, right? Oh. Well, we can't do anything about it now. I've had a very busy day ahead of me and flying in a straight line doing absolutely nothing. It appears that there's an ongoing situation brewing in the galaxy as the dastardly Don Antonacci appears. Despite being absent from the galaxy to have his sticky Komori fingers in a new pie this week. His latest business venture appears to be in software, the kind that's uploaded to ships, and in particular the kind responsible for tactical and weapons control aboard all common makes of Starship. Funnily enough, commanders of the Pilots' Federation appear to be the only ones affected, with pirates, raiders, and scavengers completely unaffected by this new software. The symptoms? Well, it all started when one pilot went to deploy their hardpoints in a combat zone, and instead of laser doom from their turret-equipped Megadeth Cow-Type 9 sewing nearby space with disco lights, the coffee machine turned on. After reconfiguring internal systems so the fire groups were actually wired to the weapons, the coffee machine resolutely refused to be deleted from the available options, and indeed appears to have connected itself to the toaster, the sonic shower, and the bio-waste flush mechanism, or at least the backwash setting. Which is quite an unpleasant surprise when you thought you were launching missiles. Furthermore, the dastardly Don appears to have been at the IFF systems, blanking out the signature of any hostile ship that you aren't shooting at right now. Commanders are being shot in the ASP, but from where? Nobody knows. They've had to deploy the Mark I eyeball method of spotting incoming fire, for fear of just shooting everyone and hoping that the target isn't one of the police. Sales of head tracking and VR headsets are said to be booming as a result, and turret gunners who aren't cross-eyed and high de- are in high demand. Of course, you have to remember to give the command to fire. Across her nose, not up it. Funnily enough, the Don and his Komori cohorts appear to have shares in both head tracking systems and gunner recruitment agencies. The Rotters.
We all know that feeling. Find some random bacteria messing up the ground of a planet near you and being the helpful and also tidy commander that you are, you whip out your Dysonator to give it a good suck and nothing. It doesn't move. Won't budge. Bit of fluff hanging from an outcrop. Give it a good going over with your handy handheld hoover and it stays resolutely in place. Doesn't even bend as if in a stiff breeze. Try it on a space mushroom that's a bit dusty. It sucks up the whole thing, stump and all, and makes that pain straining noise as the motor starts to burn out. The kind of noise it makes when your cleaning robot attempts to earth the entire carpet, not just the crumbs you spilled on it. For the last week, explorers throughout the galaxy have been playing a rather harmless, if frustrating, game of Russian roulette with biological samples out there in space. A will-it-won't-it kind of game that until you run around three different samples and cover the best part of a kilometre on foot, you won't know whether you just wasted all that boot leather on the planet's surface. Like a toddler faced with a new and exciting strain of healthy vegetable, the Dysonator had clamped its mouth shut, shaken its head and refused, despite commanders giving it an encouraging Here comes the choo-choo train, open the tunnel! and the offer of a good squirt of ketchup on each mouthful. Vista Genomics have admitted that something went wrong with their identifier chips. Computer says no appear to be stock answer for certain of the biologicals, but others, the Dysonator gobbled with glee and gathered down into its guts. They've released a long-range software patch this afternoon addressing the issue and have reassured commanders that the biological scanner is once again only going to work on unknown life. It won't attempt to eat them all growing at the bottom of your coffee cup. Won't get its knickers in a twist over the bottom of your curtains where the cat peed on them. And most definitely won't refuse to sample that icky green goo that you found on that planet. Brewer Corporation just can't win. They created the megaspace palaces that are the fleet carriers. They make them in three exciting shapes and a variety of colours. They let you change the light bulb on the docking holograms to suit your mood. They even let you choose the interior and facilities. And what's more, they gave you total remote control from your cockpit. A simple touchscreen control for all the functions on your megaship. But no, that's not what the galaxy wanted. They wanted something grand, something out of a space opera with a huge bridge and an imposing captain's chair. They actually wanted to walk somewhere to drive this huge space barge and a giant screen through which to watch the world go wibbly when you witch space warp to the next system. So, behind the scenes and with an army of robot mechanics, and whilst your fleet carrier has been jumping from tritium hotspot to tritium hotspot, they've been shuffling the interior. They've pushed out walls, bashed enough bulkheads and flattened enough floors that it appears they're nearly ready to deliver just what the galaxy wanted. A chair. That you can sit in. In fact, not just one chair, but a whole viewing platform full of them. And a ready room. And funky consoles and a souvenir shop. 
using remote drone technology, a number of commanders have been exploring these newly carved spaces. Looking at the control panels, the lumbar support, the air conditioning ducts in what promises to be yet another place you can walk around and emote to your heart's content. The first commander reaction to this epic achievement? Manage without taking your carrier back to dry dock for a refit? Well, that looks a bit boring. We're all the people. I can't believe there are no people in there. Our reporter has admitted themselves to the infirmary after a head-to-desk incident followed by a galactic facepalm. Poor Brewer, they just can't win. However, in breaking news from earlier this evening, the Pilots' Federation have confirmed that they'll also be shipping people to your ship-carrying ships, in ships, so they can walk about the ship looking at ships through the screen. That's not ship. Incoming encrypted transmission. Decrypting. Decryption complete. Text-only message detected. Engaging text-to-speech subsystem. Text-to-message follows. Hacks wing. Sorry for the lack of communications over the last few weeks. We have been dodging Thargoid attacks and the FTM Fellowship has sustained damage in the attacks. Low bandwidth communications have been restored and we anticipate full system restoration soon. We continue to hold strong against fierce Thargoid attacks. Continue to use Thargoid.watch to monitor system presence levels and combat priorities. There are still stations needing evacuation and repair. All of us need to pull together to roll back the Thargoid advances and defend innocent lives. Recently, we all saw the deployment of Salvation's new weapon in three systems in the Pleiades. Regardless of their intentions, Haxcom cannot condone the use of indiscriminate weapons of mass destruction. Hacks Wing's first mission is always to defend innocent lives and weapons that cannot be precisely targeted are antithetical to that mission. Not enough is known about Salvation, the weapon, or our enemy to presume that only proper, military targets are being destroyed by Fastda. Message corruption detected. Processing cannot proceed. Encrypted transmission complete. It was not an uneventful week in Hutton space, but having said that, it wasn't a bad week either. But it was a week for double negatives, apparently. Pirate attacks were beaten off in no fewer than four systems. Wolf 359, PSPF-LF2, Van Marlenstar and LP245-10. I just want to know how all the pirates managed to get a permit for VMS. I mean, it's not very anarchic getting a permit now, is it? Anyway, that's another story. Barnard's star is on 37%, which is sort of okay, bordering on good for Barnard's star. Any chance we could reach the dizzying heights of 40? After spending the last month doing the hokey-cokey in LP410-93, we are now in the shake-it-all-about phase of the operation as Hutton won the war to gain a foothold 
Somewhat embarrassingly, we are in second place in the system, but I should clarify that is due more to the iron grip of Contrail, the controlling faction, rather than any skill or prowess on our part. Suffice it to say that we are staying, and this is solely for the reason that we don't want to inadvertently expand into it yet again. Truckers should rest assured that Operation Jump Into a Dump will resume normal services again from somewhere, sometime, soon. At the overachieving end of the Hutton Systems League, we have four systems above 60%, including two over 80. So again, please stop running missions and dumping data into systems that are above 60. We just end up with random expansions that interrupt our actual plans. Meanwhile in Colonia, Imperial High Admiral Air Marshal Generalissimo Hanke, Grand Kazi of all the Colonias, asked for assistance in the election in tier against the Colonia Cooperative, which is currently tied at one warm. In Pythias, Hotcoll have just emerged victorious in the war for second place, so any boost truckers can give them will cement that position and limit challenges from the minor factions. Oh, and a bit of help to Edge 38 would be nice too. Priorities this week are, if you want to truck something, boost Hutton influence in Barnard's star and reduce influence in LP532-81 and LP245-10 and what I just said about the Colonia stuff. If you want to shoot something, weren't all those pirates enough for you? Now, I'm not saying that there are lots of community-led events going on, but we've put in a petition for an eight or nine day a week just so we can fit them all in. If you're interested in any of these events, either to watch or to participate, then as usual, links for the information will be posted in Twitch chat and also in the description of the YouTube upload. I think we spoke too soon about the Comfy Cannon Cruise recovering from its fetish for bivalves, as this report from Commander Mephisto make clear. The passengers of the Comfy Cannon Cruise could see different kinds of octahedral pods at waypoints 110 through 112, Viridi, Ceruleum and Blatium. A few jumps over 4,600 light years brought Konsu to waypoint 113 where cerulean sinuous tubers can be found on a hell-like moon along among silicate-based geysers and magma spouts. The six-month anniversary of the crew's departure on Tuesday went by without anyone noticing. Everyone on board seems to have become used to living on the road. Nearly 2,400 light-years away at waypoint 114, passengers could finally get back to their obsession with mollusks. Here, the first kind of real mollusk could be seen on the expedition. Freedy, to be specific. Today, Konsu moved to Waypoint 114, featuring luteolum real mollusks. There is another waypoint close by, then the cruise will zigzag towards the bubble, probably arriving in Verati early next month. The Wild Wild West expedition is nearly home and their joy at being closer to home was tinged with some sadness, as Commander Airman Dan explains. Wild Wild West goes Guardian. The 
penultimate week for the Wild Wild West expedition has stopped over at a mini-bubble of Guardian sites to investigate ancient mysteries, do science, shoot sentries and reset all their fire groups. Crews on the three expedition carriers and several others that have joined the final push are in a fluid frenzy of artefact collection and data gathering, with commanders on all platforms excited to see hints of civilization once again. Last week, Waypoint 15 was rededicated as Gizmo's Beacon in honour of Commander Senior 0025's furry feline friend, who sadly passed away early in December. Commander Eamon Dan left a memorial beacon alight atop a mountain, connecting Gizmo's beacon to Toby's rest back at Waypoint 8. Next week is the final stop on the Wild Wild West, bringing everyone together at a real universe destination, V1357 Signy. This blue star and black hole pair are known to astronomers across the globe and the source of a great deal of learning about the cosmos. The expedition will remain at this final waypoint until the 27th of December when ferry service back to Lave will begin. Commander Deluvian has managed to recover from the hardware problems he experienced last week. And the expedition, All the Clouds in the Sky, has been making good headway that he's had time to stare into the abyss, but we're worried that the abyss is staring back, given the contents of his report. Expedition Day 93. Good progress over the last couple of days. We checked off two of our objectives. IC 5217 last Friday, and then after a short stopover, we entered NGC 7538, the first non-planetary nebula. Easy when there's still plenty of fuel, but there is hope to replenish the tritium in one of the civilized systems in the Heart and Soul Nebulae. After visiting those, the plan is to loop back and move in the general direction of the Elephant's Trunk Nebula. We're still talking about a few waypoints and a couple of thousand light years of travel, though. My mind is however, already preoccupied with one crazy idea. High above the elephant's trunk, visible in the sky, you can find the Cat's Eye Nebula. Either by mistake or intentionally, this beautiful cloud does not contain a single system to jump to. If you look on the EDSM map, it's not even registered, which is quite understandable as no one can actually log it as a discovery. But is it really impossible to get there? Those who know me a bit better probably already know what I'm thinking about. It's hard to judge using the galaxy map what the actual distance between the nebula and the nearest system is. It seems close enough for me, well, at least close enough for my long-distance cruising cutter D-3303 per Serra. Yes, I think. If anyone's crazy enough to try that, it's definitely me. I think we will get to BD plus 661066 system and see if it even makes sense to try. Of course, there is an issue with instancing, but I'm still willing to try and see if I can get there, or at least close enough to take some nice close-up pictures. The Magellan, <coughs> the Magellan experience is having great fun on their journey, which will eventually reach Magellan Star 
and Commander Richard Fluvinaz M managed to catch his breath to send us this news. The SWS Lockhart will start operations next week on Friday the 17th of December. For this, there will be a new mass launch scheduled at 6pm CST or 000 UTC. This mass launch is intended for those who just finished their college semester, barely got in a holiday or are joining us from expeditions like Wild Wild West. This launch will also mark the start of more frequent events and tutoring sessions regarding exploring and other surprises. In other news, we've completed the Around the World Light with Stellar Nebula project in which we travelled in a pack of ships around a stunning view, and we had more than 20 commanders join us for the meet-up. The latest five-year-old tour, the Southern Nebula Journey, is having altogether too much fun, despite the weekly attrition in numbers. Commander Hunter has written to tell us what they've been up to. Hello, everyone. Another update from the Southern Nebula Journey we've decided to extend the trip by two weeks to give our pilots more time to get to their waypoints without too much pressure and to enjoy the sights this tour offers. Eight pilots have already completed the journey and we've lost two more commanders. Five people have signed up for this journey even though we left weeks ago. We now plan to return on 1st January 3308. Fly safe everyone, 07. The fantastically frigid trip to Triffid has, paradoxically enough, set a hot pace and has arrived at its destination. Commander Richard Fluiner's M has told us that they'll remain there until January whilst they do some exploring of the area. The Nexus exploration, the exobiology-focused long-range expedition, has had one or two incidents this week as Commander Omega Lab Megalith tells. Update, one of our FC captains who pilots the Nexus Olympus is down for the count after having a major docking accident and is unable to navigate his ship for now. We're hoping for a speedy recovery and advised all passengers on the FC Olympus to consider moving to the FC Nimrod as it is the closest to them. Less than 2,000 light years. There was another recent incident where the commander of the FC Nimrod had jumped an additional one Kylie and left behind three commanders in the deep due to an error in dating departure times due to various time zones. The Nimrod backtracked its steps and allowed time for pilots to dock and board. Now the FC has made it to its next waypoint and is expected to depart this Friday or Saturday in hopes of crossing the Elysian shore and heading into the errant marches. Lastly, FC Legacy of Dawn hosts weekly live Twitch shows as we show newer commanders the ropes to deep space exploring and encouraging everyone to watch and enjoy it as it can be entertaining. Please keep your thoughts, prayers and positive vibes for Commander Anthony Hibbs as he did have a recent accident in real life that could disrupt any gameplay. He came to Nexus with the intent on exploring and we hope he will continue with us. 07 Commanders the boffins at Canon Research would like to remind everyone that their speed scanning challenge ends in just two weeks. LCU No Fool Like One has paused in polishing his probinator to give us this update. It's the final fortnight to enter the Canon Speed Scanning Challenge, which ends on New Year's Eve. The winner gets a rather special Canon coin, and the top three also get Canon Thargoid sample flasks. 
All you have to do is scan nine different life forms on Tukanai Sector AF AD 714E faster than anyone else and sell the data. You'll need to record a video of the whole process, which can take as little as 20 minutes if you want to win a prize. You can make a longer, more artistic video, but the only prize you'll win there will be at a film festival. You really do have a good chance of winning something, so go to canon.science and put organic in the search. You can find out all about the competition. Do you think that your expanding waistline will be getting you down after Christmas? Then set off into the expanding galaxy and exercise your keyboard tapping, at least, with the expedition New Year, New Discoveries 3308, which departs January the 2nd, and Commanders Arborish and Luna Siddhara are keen to have people along, as they explain. Come and join us on a spectacular expedition to the core and back, a fully loaded carrier will ferry you to every waypoint on time. Meet up with friends, join us for events and just have a good time. Another way to fight the post-holiday blues, the celebration of early astronomy for expedition will set off on January the 8th, 3308. An expedition where you'll already know the names of many of the destinations but we've never seen them up close and personal like this, and Commander Kesika is keen to get re- recruits, as she explains. Celebration of Early Astronomy 4 is almost three weeks away. The expedition sending budding explorers off to a real-world celestial objects within the in-game galaxy is getting closer. Find out more or sign up at three ex- the expedition info and lastly holiday cqc saturday starts at 21 utc this saturday december the 18th do you find cqc boring because there's never anyone around would you like to have fun legitimately shooting people and not gain notoriety here's your chance turn up shout bother mug in the lobby and have some fun guilt free Although Commander Vanessia is a hotboxer, pilots of all persuasions are welcome and feel free to just create ad hoc teams. That's what they're there for. Commander Vanessia says, Come out and show Santa your naughty side in some CQC. This is a great way for noob combat pilots to get practice without rebuys. If you have never joined us for these shenanigans, you are missing out. There will be laughs, explosions, crashes, and plenty of jokes to go around. The fabled stick song may even make an appearance. Who knows? That should keep you all busy for a while. Email itookpart at huttonorbital.com if you know of any we've missed. And Aww. we're back in the studio. Hello, I love the stick hey. song. It's, it's worth going to oh. CQC Saturday just for the stick song. Stick song. Oh, this is where we are. Oh, the in stick the studio. Song. I didn't is it a sticky it. stick? Can you sing it for us? Stick, 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 sticky, sticky, stick, stick. There you go. Think, no, think you can't. Go past. <laughs> no, <there> you <laughs> okay. Go. 
Anyway, well, I, I, I think they, that's what I said. Yes, they, yeah, have, they have backing music and everything as well to make it better. But yeah, yeah, go go dancers, trying out, out the singing. <laughs> you can you can get that on Google. You'll find it in the same places you find a pink fluffy unicorns dancing in rainbows. I am not googling that. No, <laughs> probably not safe. Anyway, well, as as you can hear, dear listener, we we have a a full team in the studio this evening. Uh, I'm joined in the studio by Harry Balsack, also known as Commander Palantir. Good evening, everyone. Hello. And how are you? I'm splendid, thank you. Fantastic. We have the ever-so-famous, galactically mm-hmm. famous, Amelia. <laughs> galactically famous? Yes. Well, you can't be world-famous. It's just too small. It's just it's so, so minute. It's like a grain of dust in exactly. a desert. You're famous pa- all over the Pan-galactic place. celebrity. <laughs> a pan-galactic goggle blaster that is yeah. Amelia, yes. And just because, because, Amelia, obviously we, we released you. Onto yeah. everywhere. Yeah, that was a nice surprise today. We, we that. Just that was very cool. Just said to everybody, here's um, over a thousand minutes of Amelia. I'm, I'm still flabbergasted by just how many we've done, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, but yes, for the first time, premiered anywhere in the world, all of the Galnet Rares digests, including the early Galnet Foods digests, are collected in one place on the oh, forums. Do we... Do- do we have a link we can bung in the We We do chat. have a link. Oh, we, we may well have a link. I, I might have to lean on um, <clears throat> Commander Palantir to dig it out while yeah, I'm Yeah, I'll go, I'm I'll go and find it. You, 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 um, you, you talk for a couple of hours. otherwise you... people are not going to know what we're talking about. Well, yes, well, basically the Galnet Rares Digest that Amelia's been you know, so kindly and bravely doing for months and months and months and months and months now, um, <laughs> we, we totted them all up and uh, with the, the Hutton archivist and the record keeper and all the rest of it, managed to find out where in the broadcast the time codes were and... Um, put them out and then said basically for your christmas enjoyment here's lots of amelia doing dangerous stuff it's, it's a bit like commanders do the silliest things videos just you know in audio oh that could so be a thing yes it, it could be though we all tried jumping on top of um flossy's ship when she was lifting off and went splat didn't we anyway <laughs> uh, talking of that we've also got flossy hello uh, hello flossy how are you i'm not too bad thank you have you been volunteering again? Yes, uh, I did last uh, Sunday and I will be again on Saturday. Well, thank you for doing your bit and you're staying <laughs> safe as well. Yeah, oh yes, yes. Yeah, of course, yeah, talking about people staying safe, we've, we've got chicks. Good evening. Now, now, you didn't stay safe, did uh, you, uh, sir? Unclean, unclean. <laughs> Commander okay. Chicks is in one of those suits, hazmat yeah. suits, in the corner of the studio. Yeah. Bring out your day. I've, I've got the kind of cold that the government are very interested in. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> the, the kind that you get mods-style colds from not using your hut and mug enough. Yeah. Yes. He got yes. mods off the it's hoover. Disc. He's dicing with death. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, Mr. Dusty. Well, thank you very much, uh, Commander Chicks, for joining us, despite, you know... Um, the various uh, respiratory conditions. Being full of snot. Yes. Well, yeah. I was putting it a little more delicately than that, but yes. <laughs> yeah, I'm putting it in a way that our listener can understand. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, give it a couple of seconds. He'll sneeze once and he'll be emptied of snot. I know where uh, Frontier get that green Thargoid uh, from <laughs> Yes. It's obviously from the government testing laboratory. Keep, keep it away from the floors. Yeah, I, w- I would say, how, right how's through. your sense of taste? But, you know, we've all seen how you dress. Yeah. And, um, yes. <laughs> but oh, you're not... when, a sh- 
not suffering too badly with the um, was it o- Omni Corona? Well, I don't know. I, uh, yeah. I don't know which flavour it is yet. I, I might find out tomorrow. But you know, come on, it's London. We we only have the latest. Oh, have, you, London, have you had to give so. away like an armful of the red stuff to them in a little test tube? To, um, uh, to no, I just uh, shove this wiggly stick up my nose. You know the usual. Yeah. And then uh, sent off a little test tube of stuff. Not not that you know. You know and they'll tell you what you already know that you probably well, feel like I, a bit crap. Well, well, you've been here, surely. Well, yes, yeah. yeah basically, they <laughs> confirm that, yes, if you weren't feeling crap already, you're going to feel crap for a few more days. But then you're not allowed to come out from feeling crap until... Oh, when do you escape? When's your, when's oh. your escape day? Well, it's, it's 23.59 on, uh, on Christmas Eve. So, Oh, just time to get on your sleigh and deliver all the presents. Well, there is that, but as every man knows, that's half an hour after you go out and do your Christmas shopping from the petrol station. So uh, (laughs) So you're going to be relying on Mr. Amazon and his cardboard box mounting. Off with the petrol station and see if they deliver. Well, yeah. Well, the the walls have ears, so it's far worse than that. Yeah, right. (laughs) Um, But has, obviously, the rest of your nearest and dearest um, avoided said plague as well? Well, it's... It's yes, and it's proving quite baffling. Um, I'm beginning to think it's a replicant. Well, well, the the nearest a, and dearest, not not the not the yeah. Um, yeah. Omicron. Do you know if you can get a, a voice camp test on the uh, on the NHS? Well, yeah. What, what was you said? Put a turtle on its back and and just check and, the pupil yeah. dilation, and that that's well, the asked, way it works. Yeah, that's so, right. Yeah. I asked the question this afternoon, and it was I'd take a photo, and I'm like, oh my god, oh god, that's not right. Definitely oh, a replicant. Oh, oh, oh. Um, replicant. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you start finding little origami cranes and and little animals around the place, you know you're into yeah. severe trouble. But remember, that's what Leon the that's what Leon the, the replicant did. He gathered photographs. Remember, he collected them in a big drawer. Mm. Oh, um, that's right. Yeah. Anyway, and the the dulcet tones in the background you heard there were the apology officer. Hello. Last but uh, not quite least. Yeah, well, last last but smallest. Yes. <laughs> now we we understand that North Britain may be going under far more stringent terms than the rest of us in in the forthcoming days. Yeah, well, I, I haven't heard anything since Tuesday, but uh, they gave us some stuff and said, "Don't don't do don't do stupid stuff." But by stuff, really they mean really strong tape stuff. to stick over your front door so that you can't get. Yeah, them. yeah. Oh, I've I've just painted a red cross on mine just to be safe. Oh, I got one of those <laughs> as well. I got I got boosted today, and I'm having. I'm now as the show progresses. I'm having the onset of a symptom. Um, other than that, a, a you symptom. Know, Which a one? Symptom. Dead leg? Uh, no, carapace. I've grown a carapace. Right. Um, <laughs> Are you lying on your back, and <laughs> oh, is somebody taking yeah. photographs of you? Yeah, nobody's turning me over, but they're taking pictures. Um, no, I've got I've got a wee slight. I'm getting a niggly sore throat now. Oh, so no. it just it just coming on. It's just psychosomatic. It's so on the one side. It starts. It's when a human would have a tonsil. Um, mm. It's right about there. So yeah, I'll see how it progresses through the evening and what kind of state I'm in by the morning. But so far, so good. Well, it sounds like we've all caught a very bad dose of Marmite frost nips. <laughs> That's what you posted in chat. It said you sound just like Marmite frost nips. Yeah, I saw you write that. Yeah, who wrote that? Yeah, I, I, I called them. Uh, well, that's, that's not because her Amina's name. Forgotten her glasses. <laughs> I just, yeah, <laughs> Mariella. I have my one. glasses at work, and it yes. looked like Marmite frost nips. So I mentioned Marmite yeah. frost nips. And what is what kind of cruel parents names their kid Marmite for crying out loud? Or frost nips. Oh, yeah. 
Well, at least you know where your friends are. They because people either love you or hate you. That's the easiest thing. <laughs> yeah. Right now, Commander Chicks. Obviously, I understand that feeling a little bit poorly and not maybe as talkative as usual. Are you happy for me to ask a few questions about the usual Frontier live stream? This mm, week? Go ahead. Yeah. So well, I. I- I yeah go yeah go for it. Well, there I, I there, there, be... there were there, there wasn't just one. There were there were a couple of streams this week, weren't there? There were. I mean, the the tonight stream was, uh, and you know why there was a stream tonight? Did we? It's Thursday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's always yeah. a stream on Thursday. Um, was it someone's birthday? <laughs> it was. <gasps> was it? Got it. Was it? <laughs> Elite's birthday? There's a small clue. Oh, in bold, uh, yes. that one in big sort of black lettering. On <laughs> the big, that big was getting letters. bigger as you were staring at it. <laughs> yeah. yes. I can only see banter, banter, banter. Is that the clue? Yes. <laughs> um, well, no, I see, as usual, I skip around. But yes, so, so yeah, the bit they covered today was um, 07 day. It is, yeah. So t- today is Elite's birthday. It's its seventh birthday. So that's seven years. Somebody... Break a mirror zero, seven, was, was that seven <laughs> years since actual release, or seven years since alpha, or seven? Is oh. it seven year of which bit? I don't know. You're asking now. I so. think that'll be seven years since launch, because launch was really? December 2014, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it'll be seven years since that. Was that the that was the do at Duxford, was it? Yeah, I think so. But the life size Cobra. <coughs> the the life size doing, Cobra. Uh, they, they, they are they doing anything special? Size. They did a, a very, really fun live stream. If if you if you want to, if you've only got time for one live stream this week, the the uh, the, the bit I saw um, from whenever it was six o'clock tonight um, for about forty five minutes was very good. Um, there was some fun, and there was a quiz apparently. And Peter did say it, it only just finished early, so it was apparently quite a long one, but it did look a lot of fun. Mm. And I they were giving away prizes. They were. And you won't win a prize if you're watching on. Well, Thrustmaster joysticks. I think they gave away earpods. They gave earpods. Of course, they've been giving away arcs all week, which just reminds me. Whilst we do this, I'm just going to log into to the. Yeah, I'll get my arcs. Free arcs. I've just been finished doing that. It's all our accounts. I'm never weird during the hunt and helper results. That's always a bit. Oh, I've got I've got to upgrade. Yeah, for King Hanky, obviously, that's a four-hour job going through all of the accounts to get his free arcs. Yeah, I've had to upgrade both. Yeah. So, so yeah, they, they had that stream today. So they, they had some... Um, so earlier in the week, there was a Super Cruise news with Zach and Zach Bruce. Bruce. And a special guest appearance by <gasps> Alexa. But more on that. Of course, anybody who's playing this out loud on speakers in their home may have just got a swirly blue light next to them somewhere. <laughs> nice. I'm not silly. I've changed. My, I've changed the wake words on mine because I know what people are like. Uh, well, unfortunately, I did. <laughs> Alexa, that. red alert. Somebody <laughs> said Alexa. Yes. Well, I, I did. I did that, and then I was talking about the latest um, content from the Marvel Cinematic Universe and a certain oh. lady character called Echo, and then that that ruined the whole thing because I had changed it from Alexa to Echo, and then Echo <laughs> went off. And yes, I've you know. Here off, even though it's through in the kitchen. Computer. Yeah. Yes. Alexa, <laughs> stop. Did 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 the apology officer just just red alert themselves there? Yes. Yes, yep. I read, yes. I red alerted myself <laughs> through a door in another room. It was interesting because oh, yeah. I was to, well, you you know, they're listening to you in all rooms of the house. Yes. Um, it was interesting because I tried to, uh, I rewound it several times. And I 
change the volume and I, I couldn't quite figure out what had triggered uh, Zach's Alexa. I thought, what, what's his, what's his, his, you know, his word? And I, I couldn't mm. figure it out. But it was, it, anyway, I've spoiled it now. It was, it was funny. Um, okay. Right. Well, it, it, to, to be fair, it tickled Bruce and Zach looked just mortified. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, <coughs> that wasn't the first of their, uh, um, Mr. Dusty issues. Um, so they came on. They were talking about the the the, the, the sort of theme, if you like, of the uh, of the live stream was uh, was the new uh, combat SRV, the, uh, the Scorpion. Oh, I do have. I maybe put up on screen just for everybody. Uh, let's put this one on screen. There we go. There it is. is. Little video. Yes. Um, but the, they they we covered it in the news already. But they talked about the weight of the. Multi limpet controllers, and they were looking at that, and then, and then, all of a sudden, just to show that uh, we, you know, we're uh, poor innocent victims of Mister Dusty here as well. The uh, the stream just fell over, um, and uh, so they had to restart it. And I think a lot of people were still in the original stream, so it was all a bit confusing. Anyway, you know, it wouldn't be the first time such things have happened to professional broadcasters. You know, that's if Hutton Orbital right. Radio can do it, so can they. Yeah, that's right. So once once they restarted this, uh, we were introduced to uh, a young chap, Tom Kewell, who's a, a long time Frontier designer, and uh, he's been around. I think he's. From recollection, he was there just after the Kickstarter. He says he remembers the Kickstarter. It was all very exciting. Um, and Tom was sporting a very, very festive jumper. You could see that in the uh, in the image in the corner of the video. Yes, you can. Yeah. If it's still going. It, so. it is, yeah. I've just I've just restarted yeah. it, and you can see the, the festive jumper there, bottom right of the screen. For those I have that colour and yeah. picture for my ASP. Oh, yeah, I remember those. Yeah. I, I yeah. got the red one. Um, um, so, so yeah, so you say Tom's been around for ages, but I mean, by designer, I mean it, it's three D. This is three D design stuff. This is this is proper industrial design that hmm. uh, they get up to. Hmm. Yeah, so he, he, you know, he's going through some of how they make design choices in the game. So obviously, the from the very start um, when the Scarab came about, they were like, oh, you know, now we've we've got. The, the reconnaissance SRV, you know, presumably at some point in the game, and this has always been one of Braben's things is, yeah, we could put lots of stuff in the game, but if there's nothing to do, then we're not just going to put it in for the sake of putting it in. We need to do something. So obviously now we've got uh, ground combat. Um, there is something for a combat SRV to do, like support it or, you know, interact. Yeah. Um, there were lots of chat about tyres and grip. But, so it was a lot about the... The sort of feel of the vehicle, and how it would feel familiar but different than the uh, than the Scarab. <clears throat> so it's more sort of solid and planted, and well, yeah. I mean, as the video we put on Does the screen it... is of, of, a, of a tank cornering on snow. There, <laughs> uh, yeah. They... Have... Go ahead. Does it have the same kind of fuel limitations as the Scarab, or does it burn through fuel quicker? I don't know, actually. Um, um, it, it's certainly... I mean, I, having driven one, uh, it, I mean, a it's a joy to drive. It is slower. Now, whether it's using the same fuel to go slower or less, I don't know if it's just the same fuel over time, but it's not as quick. But it does... It feels solid. 
I mean, when, you, when you're driving it and you're going over bumps, you know when you're driving in your scarab and you go over bumps and it's thrown all over the place and you fly up in the air and uh, it doesn't do any of that. It rides over the bumps yeah. um, beautifully yeah. well, that, as a, a vehicle. The main th- reason I ask is because uh, is it actually <clears throat> just better to buy the Scorpion now instead of the scarab? Or is the scarab like better at exploration, not so much combat? Yeah, and the scorpion is more combat, not so much well, exploration. There's, there's, there's so there's is no the scanner. range? There's yeah. no scanner. It doesn't have a scanner, mm. so it can it can pick up two tons of cargo. So if you're doing missions or you're you're landing at POIs on the surface and you've got a few skimmers to kill and you hop out and you do the thing, if, if it's a utility vehicle, hop out, do that, or rescuing the other escape pod. Yeah, yeah. Mm. It, but if you're trying to sort of scan for materials or, or you want four tons of cargo space, then yeah, the scarab is still your thing. Also, if you're yeah. trying to get all through the cannon challenge. Obviously, yeah. well, you've got to get around all of them in 20 minutes. Don't take now, the Scorpion. The Scarab has uh, the scarab said that it's cargo updated or upgraded, so it takes four oh, tons now. Four, yeah. Mm. Uh, Phoenix Blue in chat has just said uh, the Scorpion has a 0.3 ton fuel tank compared to the 0.5 ton for the Scarab. Ah, so it's not in the same range. Uh, well, thank, thank you, Phoenix Blue. That was a first-time thank message yes. from... A first time, first time chat um, for, from a listener, and it was probably the most useful thing we've heard in our chat for an awful long time. So, thank you, Phoenix Blue. It's the most useful thing we've had on the news in a long time. Well, yes, <laughs> it's more useful than us. <laughs> I thought we might get some questions about, you know, like how does it drive and how many missiles it's got. But you know, questions like do the back seats go down and you know, and how <laughs> does it have a mug holder? Cup holders. No. Um, are what? the windows wind down or the electric? Or, yeah. Well, it does have wheel covers. But, I mean, I do, I do but, notice but that it it's got covers over the tires, unlike the Scarab, which are exposed mm. to, to fire. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. it's armoured as well. Still doesn't have a cup holder, though. No. Yeah. Oh, that's <clears throat> well, you don't. I mean, it's like the anyway. most important thing, well, and they didn't include it. Yeah. So the, the 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 gun on top of it. Obviously, we're used to the sort of the the Daka Daka machine gun on the top of the uh, the good old fashioned scarab, though. Well, it's it, it's effectively the same weapon. Is it? Yes. The surge yeah. repeater. Yes. Yes, but it, it it works in a slightly different way. It's the same same ammunition. I'm pretty sure Tom said. Um. So they're both. You've got a dual repeater and the surge repeater. Does it? Does it have the same amount of ammunition capacity? <laughs> now, okay, Phoenix Blue, if you have those details as well, we'd love to know yep. them because we don't yes. know the answer to that one. Does it oh, shoot oh, bullets faster? Uh, no, but the, it, uh, the, the longer you hold the trigger down, the more accurate they get, which is sort of against accepted wisdom, if anybody's ever played a first-person shooter. Um, but, you know, it's, it's sort of rationale for that was well it does the opposite of what you'd expect and as it you know maybe it heats up and as it heats up it gets more efficient and or it hones in on the target using its own trace arounds or i we have no idea but it it was i got the impression when i was firing it that it did pack more (coughs) punch to be fair Mm. um Mm. you know it was it it may be sounding the same a little bit but i I got the impression it packed a bit more of a punch than the the other one but it hasn't just got that it's got the other thing, the missile launcher oh. on the top as well. Uh, yeah. Yes. Um, 
Uh, How many you, shots does the missile launcher have before it's re- <laughs> punished? Wait, somebody gaffer tape Amelia. We don't know Amelia. It's got lots. <laughs> no, you go boom. It's it, and you can target. You can dumb fire it, or you can wait for the. What? Beep, 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 and then but these, what? Yeah. these are can like you, the first questions that pop into my head. Surely that's people the kind have of asked these questions. Radio come up with on a can Tuesday. you choose? Can you choose what color the missile is? Yeah, has it got <sighs> fuzzy dyes? Oh, can you put like Mister Bomb on the side of the missile? <laughs> you can. Yeah, well, apparently <laughs> has twelve says shots. The missile yeah, yeah. <laughs> Phoenix Blue said 12 shots. We, we like Thanks, just, Phoenix could, Blue. Yes. You could just type along the side of the, the missile from Hutton with love. Yeah, uh, Phoenix Blue can come back again, definitely, on this show. Yeah. Um, and mm. Apparently, once it gets going, it has serious punch. There we go. Uh, a bit like Christmas meetings that don't involve cheese and wine. Yeah, once 10. they get going, they've got some very serious punch. Yes. I'm, I'm sure next time my, my testing of anything will involve a bit more than driving around in it for five minutes and then shooting at a hillside. Oh, my kids have it, their life <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, so it has 12 shots, it packs a punch, it's armoured, and it doesn't have any fuzzy dice or a cup holder. So And it can and, go as far and, as the scarab. And do you know why they gave it that funny name that nobody wants to say on air? Well, armadillo. <laughs> no, the Aculeus. Oh, yeah, like on the outside, smooth on the inside. Yeah. Does anyone know why it's called the Aculeus? Well, I know it's written on the script, but I did because I'm Aculeus? a geek like that. <laughs> What's called? Yes. Oh, the, I googled it, so that's why it's in the script. Yeah. Well, go on. So, so is Aculeus the ancient Greek god of missiles? Uh, close. Is it a the Latin name for a scorpion stinger? Oh. Is it b? Stinger missile was already taken, or was it C? Both of those. Oh, uh, C, 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 C. C, C. I, I'll have I, C. I'll have C. It's a C because I did watch the. I did watch the stream. <laughs> <laughs> but I only started. I have to confess, I only started watching the, the stream, uh, chicks, when you when you said, "Oh, it's just died." <laughs> yeah. Oh, this is interesting. Oh, the streams died. Don't you worry yeah. about yeah. saying the word stream and died in the same <laughs> sentence. I'll panic. I I mean, <laughs> yes. I'm looking at the shape of it, and the, the shape of the hull was quite... It reminds me of something. I don't know if it's a beetle or something that reminds it does, me of. It looks like one of those beetles. You, yeah, you, you get them in the garden, yeah. I know, yeah. I know what you're thinking of, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, um, yeah. Anyway, so... Yeah, it can fire either way. If it doesn't lock on, it fires dumb fire. And then, yeah, you you can just sort of spam these 12 missiles in front of you if you've got a, a, you know, a bunch of these scavengers running towards you with their shields up. What is up. the reload time? The reload time? Boy, just make something up. She'd live at enough. Least four. Three se- three at least seconds. four. At least four. Yeah. Um, three to four seconds. So, so, yeah, so Frontier Devs aren't like buses at all, then. They're not big and red. They are, like policemen, they go around in pairs. So yeah, there right. was more. There was. It was. I mean, I know. I know. People have, have sort of said in the past, oh, "We'd like to hear more from the devs," and then it all went quiet for a, you know a few weeks. And then was it two weeks ago? We had two devs, and then we had last week's. Uh, last week was different. I can't remember why now, but for the life of me, but it it was fun. Um, and then this week again, two devs, and uh, apparently, it, it, you know, words got around the devs, and they quite enjoy it. Yeah, um, last week no gonna... patch day. Did you know a patch day? Yeah, last, last week was Dom and Derin, wasn't it? And this week it's Henry and. Um, yeah, um, last week was no Derin was on tonight. Um, oh, can't remember. It was, it was Dom and somebody anyway last week. But um, did we talk about for such length last week? I can't remember. Were they in a bungalow? But anyway, so there was a, there was another designer <laughs> by the name of Henry. Of that's right. Uh, and and Henry has one of the most important jobs. 
Well, Henry is a UI designer, and so when oh, when asked what does what what does that mean, he said, "I'll make buttons and stuff." Um, <laughs> however, as we were very quickly to learn, this this was a bit of a ruse, as Henry was a hell of a lot smarter than the impression he was initially trying to give. So we learned all about all kinds of stuff about about UI and uh, diegetic interfaces came up. Oh, those! And everyone's like, "What?" Um, and apparently, diegetic is is a is a an interface that exists as part of the in-game world and not an overlay. So, <clears throat> Amelia, you'll know this from VR. When yeah, you're yeah. when you're mining, and you VR. put up your internal either your navigation panel or your internal panel, do you get out of your chair and look at it sometimes because it exists? as a sort of hologram in a plane in space, doesn't it? And you can you can sort of walk along, <clears throat> get out of your chair, and you can sort of look at it edge on to the point where it kind of disappears and then you can see the back of it. See, getting out the chair would ruin my immersion. Yeah, mainly because oh you trip over the short table in front of you and face plant into the uh, into the crockery. into this pile of yeah. books on the floor. <laughs> well, what's annoying is when you get out the chair and you look down that in in many of the ships, is the chair is on a plinth, and I'm no. I'm sort oh, of I'm disappointed to... in real life if I am in the chair and I look down, <laughs> <laughs> and I get out and I'm like trying not to fall off the edge of the plinth, and I'm going, it's in the game. Oh yeah, sorry. Yeah. Well, because of course you're not actually moving; just your head is moving. In that case, because no, and I'm, you're not. I'm more actually... likely to walk into like the cupboard or a sideboard or you know the sofa yeah. or something. But basically, these interfaces aren't just sort of drawn on your screen in front of you; they're actually modelled in 3D, that, or, or a 2D right. plane in 3D. And some of them are curved as well; aren't they? they're not not flat. Some of them are curved. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and and the issue you have because it exists as a as a, an object, it it needs to fit. You know, in in the plane in three D space, um, and of course, how many languages is Elite Dangerous in now? Twelve, something like probably that. eleven, so, especially with the officer. Eleven. The, who's the uh, the the Vodal guy in chat? Let's he he can. Uh, it'll all, almost sound coherent by the time we've uh, had his input too. Um, but what he said is he he designs the inf. Uh, the interface um, in German or Russian um, because the languages that really take a bit of time to get around to saying what they need to say. Um, so well, yeah, just German, the, uh, you glue lots of words together until they yes make one well, big long word. Well, that's right. And the maxim is, is if it'll fit in German or Russian, it's likely to fit in any language. And sort of Zach, you know, Paul, but young Zach is sitting there and he's like, eyes wide open, like mind blown. You know, it was... Uh, yeah, and so yeah, Zach's brain blew up all over the screen. And so, what does Henry do in Henry's spare time? Well, as you can see on the screen there, um, from the iconography, it's something you knock together. Um, Henry said, in his spare time, I like to draw isometric vector art, which is funny because. I used to enjoy doing that kind of thing when I was a kid, when I was at school learning technical drawing, you know, engineering drawing, that kind of stuff. So here's a thing he did. So as a bit of a as a bit of a game for the for the for the <laughs> for the listener, it's good radio. Um 
you know, you could have a look through those and see how many you can identify. I see a cube. One of them is the mm. engine warning light. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely uh, an engine warning light there. Um, yeah. Yes. Is, is one is of them... That's a service it, light, isn't it? Um, yeah. Is one of those the... Um, <sighs> Mr. Dusty Virus. I can see the third one along from the tops of the Mr. Dusty Virus. Is it? Well, one of them of looks like a hauler, <laughs> and it looks as if you get the, the points where you would put on, like, yeah. That's not a hauler. That's a third of Lance. With a ship kit. Yeah. Oh, it just looks mm, like a hauler. No, I think that's. I think it's a clean Ferdinand's. Anyway, well, I'm not a pirate. Uh, I don't. I don't recognise these things. Anyway, so he's an FDL yeah, fan, him. top guy, yeah. Yeah. Well, he he is as just purely for being an FDL fan. Um. <laughs> right. Um. So yes. mo- mo- moving moving on from Henry, who clearly is is far too talented compared to the rest of us. Um. They also looked at the rest of the talented people out there, the community. Hmm. Stella and some screenshots. screenshots, and the usual asp in front of things, which is now, uh, yes, an endemic meme. Yeah, yeah, pretty much, yes. yes um, yeah. Mentioning tonight's, uh, the Thursday um, live stream that occurred before we just came on air, um, Paul Crowther was on, and he'd taken 52 of, so he basically picked the best stellar screenshot per week for the whole year, and then they boiled them down to the top 10. So the top 10 stellar screenshots from this year were in tonight's live stream, I believe, because I missed the end of it. But uh, if you watch it on catch-up, you'll be able to see those. Okay, and then that was about it for this week. I mean, obviously they talked about heavyweight things and fixes and patches and 901, 902, and there's more coming. And then these interiors, and maybe did they say maybe 10, maybe number 10 for the fleet car interiors or next year some point? But, um, yeah, so lot, lots of... I do these dev diary stuff, and when they have the devs on, that, they're the best bit. I mean, I love the community management team... Uh, and their content, but there's nothing like having one of the devs on stream, is there? Yeah, it's it's you. You sort of understand, you know. They 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 explain things, you know, in, in yeah, how to make something that complicated sound simple for for idiots like us. Oh, there we um, go. Look, the audience save us again. Eleven, eleven. Apologies, officer. What? That's Language when the interiors is. are coming, especially for oh, you. Okay. Apologies, officer. Eleven. <laughs> no, the apology officer is hiding from me now. Well, especially not for me. <laughs> no, <laughs> unless no, something no. happens in between ten and eleven. Well, you never know. A fleet carrier. Well, you never know. Eleven might be the magic number just for you. It might be. Yeah. Right. Okay. Um. Well, uh, I see. I see. Uh, Commander Palantir has got his hand up. I think he's fidgeting. <laughs> go. Go on. Go on. Go up in the air this time. Sorry. <clears throat> yes. Yeah. I've been told there's one word that we must not use to aardvark indicate that it's time to move on from gassing away amongst ourselves to the serious aardvark part of the show where the Pilots Federation's favourite pilot... Aardvark! To be honest, it's aardvark! been so aardvark that it can stop out any aardvark. aardvark! So I'm sorry if I've let aardvark! the aardvark out of the bag with this one. Aardvark! <laughs> Let's seamlessly slip into the aforementioned section featuring Flossy with the aardvark news. It's flossy. It's flossy. It's flossy. 
This week's Community Goals News. Knows my voice. Last week's CGs. The three main CGs, Supply Salvation's Anti-Xeno Super Weapon in Maya, Merope and Delphi, all completed during last weekend. They started slow, but once the allocation of classified experimental equipment was increased from 20 to 80, the pace picked up. Delphi was first to complete on Saturday at 19.55 UTC, followed by Maya at 14.12 UTC on Sunday and Merope at 17.05 UTC on Sunday. The hidden extra 4 CG for Ramtar had already reached Tier 1 and was therefore successful on Saturday at 15.08 UTC. Galnet have reported that Salvation had sent the following message. The Thargoid spearhead into human space has been severely blunted. Commodore Halloran coordinated the operation with military precision and many loyal pilots acted swiftly to provide components for my unique technology. At present, I am not able to deploy these weapons in other systems suffering alien infestation. Next year, we will deliver a decisive blow in the war against the Thargoids. I urge the peoples of the galaxy to unite behind my crusade. Aegis is finished. I am the only remaining defence for humanity. I am salvation. Independent pilots and anti-Xeno squadrons have been asked to continue combating the remaining Thargoid vessels in the Corsac, Pleiades and Witchhead Nebula regions. Repair efforts are also still required at Donna's Oak and the Oracle in the Delphi system, Obsidian Orbital in the Maya system and Reed's Rest in the Merope system. And this week's new CGs, I'm afraid there aren't any. But as, before, as mentioned above, repairs are required in the systems affected by last week. And that's it for this week's CG News. Marcy told you what to do. Thanks, Flossie. Well, it's a pity there are no CGs this week, but it does give us more time to do our Christmas rare shopping. Two people who always have a goal, even if we're never really sure what it is, are those masters of mirth, companions of comedy, the joint jesters of the galaxy. It's Commanders Beetlejuice and Willerspoon with the latest Galnet News Digest. Neo-Marlinist leader Theta-7 is dead, and the megaship Sacrosanct destroyed, after the terrorist broadcast a short video message. The only words spoken during the message were, The future will remember us. Theta-7 was then seen to detonate a series of explosive charges packed with Thargoid enzymes. The Sacrosanct has been split in two at the habitation ring. The combination of the catastrophic hull failure and the toxic enzyme ensured that there were no survivors. 
Theta-7 hijacked the sacrosanct on which he'd been hiding in the hope of meeting up with and rejoining the remains of the NMLA terror group aboard the Steel Majesty in Madrid. Superior Imperial firepower prevented this, and it's believed that brave and selfless members of the Fire God religion sabotaged the hyperdrive on their own megaship to prevent Theta-7 from escaping. Several thousand members of the respected Fire God belief system are believed to have died, along with Theta-7 and his small band of followers. The affiliated counter-terrorism unit confirmed that Theta-7 is dead, and expressed regret that its attempts to negotiate for the lives of the members of the brave minority religion ended in failure. Following the death of Theta-7, ACT intends to continue investigating the origins of the NMLA and to identify and eliminate any remaining cells of the terror organization. Salvation's forces claim to have virtually wiped out the Thargoid presence in three systems in the Pleiades Nebula after deploying their top-secret superweapon in what they call Operation Trihammer. A message broadcast by Commodore Morag Halloran on board the Musashi in Delphi claims that nearly one-third of Thargoid vessels have been destroyed and 98% of the remainder have retreated. There is always a small Thargoid presence in Delphi, so some returning Thargoids are likely. The other two systems apparently cleared of Thargoids are Maya and Merope. Observers, including those from Galnet News Digest, can confirm the vast majority of Thargoids appear to have vanished from the system. A number of crashed Thargoid ships have been identified on those planets where we are permitted to land. The effect seems to closely match what happened in the Kornsar system on the 16th of September with extensive Thargoid wreckage discovered on several planets. Professor Albertezro and engineer Ramtar have gathered enough material to analyse Salvation's weapon of mass destruction, but not yet in a position to make their findings public. It's unclear at present how the Thargoids will react, but some analysts believe that the present invasion is a reaction to the use of the weapon in Kornsar. The previously attacked stations in the three systems remain in need of evacuation. These are Don Arzog and the Oracle in Delphi, Obsidian Orbital in Maya system and Reed's Rest in the Merope system. A number of other systems in the Pleiades, the Witchhead Nebula and the Muscadart region continue to have a very high Thargoid presence. criminal known as the Winking Cat has unexpectedly returned the stolen ceremonial Joker playing card to the Joker's Deck Gambling Club, with a mysterious message printed on the back. Eric Gunnarsson of Wallglass, the detective agency, explained that the card, which was stolen on the 12th of October, had been returned by courier, so it might not be appropriate for the agency to claim a finder's fee. By its use of ordinal numbers, the message appears to reference two overlapping two-week periods, one running from today until the 30th of December, and the other running from the 23rd to the 6th of January, covering a total of three weeks. The first two weeks are labelled 1, 2, 3, and the second overlapping fortnight is labelled 4, 5, 6. Gunnarsson speculates that this may be the public announcement of some sort of treasure hunt organised by the Winking Cat, possibly with some sort of prize at the end. 
Nefeline Felon has, after all, been stealing even more artwork and other curiosities, and has also been attempting to raise a very large number of credits. The captured Steel Majesty megaship, which was recently seized by Imperial forces from the remainder of the paramilitary Neo-Marlinists, has been returned to the Marlinist colonies. Renamed Fairfax Vision in memory of murdered First Minister Jenna Fairfax, the megaship will be the flagship of the Marlinist colonies, able to command operations at home or abroad whenever it's needed. Its home will be in HIP 22550, and it'll fly the flags both of the Free Marlinists of Carini, who will maintain it, and of the Free Marlinist colonies. First Minister Octavia Volkov expressed her hope that now that the NMLA has been defeated, the progressive Republican society founded outside the Empire by the true followers of Marlin Duval will experience peace and prosperity. And that's this week's Galnet News. Galnet News, we read the news so you don't have to. Thank you, Commanders Beetle, Jude and Wotherspoon. They've got a better nose for tidbits than an aardvark, I tell you. Talking of tidbits, we go over now to Mia Harkness for the Hutton Helper results. Welcome to the Hutton Helper Results. The Hutton Helper Results are sponsored by the Hutton Helper, the only third-party resource to come with a free roll of wrapping paper, so you can decorate your ship. This week we have the following events. The Virtual Artvark Quiz, live from Beagle Point, Shield. The catering truck full of cheese and wine and artvarks at the Door Cup Winners' Cup. The Virtual Pass the Artvark Blame, I mean, Parcel Deja Vu Trophy. The Get Out of Advert Regulations free card grabbed by the Fuzz Special Award. The Get Totally Advert at the Christmas Business Meeting Charity Shield. The Thrown, up, un, thrown Under the Wheels of the Advert Party Bus Jimmy Nail Crocodile Tears Memorial. So, always maintain two inches social distancing, never record the party, and make sure you have an al- alibi or an advert. This week's Hutton Helper results are. Commander Evil Flash is top of the Explorers this week with 34,000 light years travelled. Monty P sold 59,721 tonnes of goodies to come first in Garko sold. Top mission runner this week is Chex, who managed to record a score of 209 mission points, none of which were for Hutton. Alex Zuno won bounties again, and again with exactly 1 billion credits handed in. Poltergeist handed in a little over 181 million credits of combat bonds to top the table and Night Ranger delivered 2,058 passengers safely to their destination. So decals, well, they all have one, but you can get one if you send a stamped address envelope to Hutton Orbital, near Eden, Proxima Centauri, that's the little red one, 
Alpha Centauri system, leave packages with Solar for out. If you want to do that, uh, you could then arrange to collect your hunting decal kit, which this week consists of a party popper, a bottle of cheap plonk, some cheese, and a pre-booked Red Planet taxi, so you're fully equipped for those important Christmas business meetings. Commander Thomason has recorded a time of 1 hour, 25 minutes and 42 seconds for the hut and run, which puts them in 275th place overall. Happy Moon Monkey made a blisteringly fast run, but sadly the time wasn't recorded in the Hutton Helper, as it does not consider missing Hutton, doing a lip of shame, then boosting it inside the station at 900 metres a second, before exploding and leaving wreckage all over the place to be a successful Hutton run. I'd say better luck next time, but apparently they've done it twice now, so maybe not. Are you hanging around Hutton waiting for Happy Moon Monkey to make another Hutton run so you can gather up the bits and sell them to dodgy Ivan the scrap dealer? Have you had enough of scrubbing his old pilot seat to get skid marks out? Was it you who painted the big number three on the station fuse lash so you could watch him smash into it in full boost? Well, you're a cheeky moon monkey, but you can redeem yourself in time for Christmas. How, you ask? Well, I will tell you how. Just go to hot.furthermug.com and download or sign up for the all-new Hutton Helper, now in three delicious flavours. And then get out there in a gift wrap ship and do some trucking. Let's face it, anything has to be better than being pinged because you're a close contact of an aardvark. Well, that's it for this week. Back to Studio 5. Amelia, it's that time in the show when Amelia Hawke makes us grateful that all we have to do is read the news. It's time for another blooming episode of the Galnet Race Digest. Trust me, you'll see what I mean in a, in a minute. Good evening. This is Amelia Hawke reporting for the Galnet Rares Digest. We try all the galaxy's rarest and most dangerous commodities. So you don't have to. Whilst we here at the Galnet Rares Digest make a living out of travelling the galaxy, hunting down and testing rare commodities, such reporting is far from new. Hunters of rare items have existed as long as humanity has, whether it be a new kind of shiny rock or one that splinters just right when you hit it with another rock and can be used to make pointy things, which you can stick into your rival. Through a new kind of edible plant that doesn't make your insides become your outsides or, or taste like rotten eggs, as a curious species, humans have always sought out things that are new. As proof that these ancient hobbies and jobs have been carried out for centuries upon centuries and still continue to this day, I've headed to the Ark system, to a planet rather ostentatiously named Gold, home to a rare that would have be, been familiar even in Victorian times, an orchid. Digging through historical archives, orchid hunting appears to have, in antiquity, been one of the most dangerous professions there was, 
orchid fever gripped Victorian England with explorers vying to be the first to find, name and sell unique and new varieties. The expeditions themselves were fraught with danger and the archives at New uh, Kew Gardens, now relocated to an orbiting biodome along with many of the varied species rescued from planet Earth, are full of sorry tales. It all began with William John Swainson, a naturalist who, whilst packing some plant samples for return to England, grabbed a handful of what he thought were weeds to pack out the boxes. On arrival, the packing material had bloomed. The weeds had turned out to be a new and rare plant, quite beautiful and never before seen in the houses of well-to-do of the well-to-do in London. This sparked a gold rush. Teams heading out into the jungles of Brazil and Venezuela, the South Pacific and deep into the source of the Orinoco River. Many a collector met a grisly end. Documents list one group of eight, one eaten by tigers, one boiled in oil by angry locals, and five more who were never seen again. The lone survivor, though, did make their fortune from the samples brought back. Gustavo Wallace died of yellow fever. David Bauman of dysentery, Albert Millican, uh, was uh, stabbed to death. The history books read closer to one of our Golnet Rares reports than they do the peaceful journals of botanists and collectors. One explorer turned back having met a cannibal tribe in the forests of New Guinea, only to be instructed by his patron to return, recollect. Julie did so uh, only to find a new species, which was growing on a pile of human remains. Individual specimens sold for over £1,000 at the time, which was a vast sum of money in Victorian England. And these inflated prices are maintained to this day, despite the ability of orchids to be cultivated in artificial conditions. Entire populations of varieties of orchid were collected, devastating the population and unfortunately almost ensuring the high price as they would never be found again. In more modern times, due to this rarity, a genuinely new species can command a price as much as a well-equipped spaceship. One startling discovery of the 2900s was that certain of the pollens from orchids were actually impervious to the perils of deep space, able to withstand radiation and the extremes of temperature. And it has been suggested that orchids themselves may have seeded other planets over aeons, their actual origin being totally unknown. Most orchids are quite simply beautiful when they bloom, turning from a very ordinary looking plant into a delicate, sometimes fragrant and massively varied floral display. There are orchids that look like dragons or jewelry, varieties throughout space that smell sweet or with heady herbal fragrances. Historical records from the 1900s show that just one variety has been found that is dangerous, the black orchid, the pollen of which was said to cause sterility, and when refined, be able to produce a nerve gas. One mad scientist, Drax, even attempted to weaponize the pollen of this orchid as part of a doomsday cult threatening all human life on Earth and returning it to a paradise world ready to be colonized by his own progeny. 
Records are sparse, but we understand that his plot was thwarted by the efforts of British intelligence, and what survives from the tale would make a fascinating film. The Charis orchid, however, is harmless, found only on the planet Gold in the Ark system. It was discovered by Commander Shaneri, who fits the bill as one of those ancient jungle explorers. Not afraid to tackle tigers, uh, truculent natives, and the risks of being boiled in oil. Shaneri scoured the mountainous slopes of gold in search of a rumoured very rare orchid. After months of searching and having reached an outcrop over a particularly stunning vista, just a single bloom was found, identified and named. They fought off wild animals, carnivorous plants and climbed dangerous looking cliff faces to reach just this spot and the single flower at the edge of it. With a sample taken back to a nearby station for analysis and cataloging by Vista Genomics, it was discovered that this particular variety had one property unlike its cousins from Earth. It would only bloom when planted in beautiful surroundings. Without sunlight of the right colour, plants nearby of breathtaking beauty and views to just take your breath away, this orchid stays resolutely green and innocuous. When planted in just the right location, though, it flowers magnificently and gives off a scent that, um, that reminds me of something. They're often given as gifts between lovers or well-loved family members. The gift timed such that the plant is in flower just as it's delivered, as a compliment to the recipient. Vain imperial types often wear them on their, their lapels in the hopes that it broadcasts to anyone looking their wealth and, of course, good looks. I've been sitting looking at the sample handed to me earlier today now for a while. It's beautiful, but there's just something about it that caught my attention. The, the fragrance. If, if I close my eyes and breathe deeply, there's something at the back of my mind, very deep in my memories, that's just out of reach, letting my mind wonder, is it the perfume of a lost love or, or maybe the fresh scent of a wildflower meadow? I, I can't remember. I can remember long walks of lying in the long grass, running through a forest just, just after some fresh rainfall, childhood recollections. These are fleeting memories of dinners, of, of drinks, of of candles um, and scents. The smell is captivating. And there, quite aside from the danger from hunting down rare orchids, is the real danger from Shan's Charis orchid. I've just realized that I've been sitting here all day, lost in my memories, not moving a muscle. If I hadn't been tapped on the shoulder by room service, who were quite quite rightly worried that I'd not had my breakfast yet, despite it being late into the evening now, I'd have probably just kept sitting there, lost in my memories, wandering through the sense of my past and dredging up all the events that went with them. This is the true gift of this flower, as well as its biggest danger. Shan discovered something wonderful, something that 
as a gift is one of the more touching things to be given. Just make sure that there's someone there to wake you from your reverie and your thoughts. This is Amelia Hawke reporting for the Galnet Rares Digest. I'm sitting here, lost in the world of my own memories, having smelled the flowers. So you don't have to. I love orchids. That sounds very pretty. Absolutely lovely. I mean, you know, it's one of the least, well, no, not least dangerous. Obviously, it has its dangers. I'm not but shouting at the end of this one. No, <laughs> no, no, you're not running. Just, there's no screaming. I'm not screaming. Yeah. I was miles away. There's no blood. Yeah, I was, I was, <laughs> I was sort of hypnotised by the, yes, the, the thoughts of that orchid. But, um, well, thank you very much for, for um, researching that one for us. And thank you very much to Commander Shan, obviously, um, <clears throat> who. Um, yeah, asked whether we would, you know, let you sample it and, and, and write it up. We had to tread a little carefully on this one, as, as Shan actually uh, inserted this one uh, into the galaxy. And a, and a beautiful thing it is, too, uh, it was inserted. I understand Colo also took one out to a beautiful location as well uh, on one of the live streams, too. But um, thank you very much to Shan. We, we did wonder whether it was the right kind of rare for Hutton to cover, given some of our recent past history and the danger and <clears throat> other bits and bobs, but um, I, I, I think you did that one absolutely proud. Um, yeah, I do believe I Commander so. Shan, who actually inserted that one into the galaxy or uh, as, a, as a prize, uh, was listening this evening. So good evening, Shan. Uh, Shan says, that was wonderful. Thank you, and thank you to Amelia. There you go. Oh, bless. So, yeah, it means something very personal to Shan. So uh, there we go. We, we can be sensible occasionally, and still a little bit fun. But those orchid hunters... I mean, there's not a word of a... You know, I actually went and researched it and looked up those articles that were published at Kew Gardens, and it sounds mm -hmm. like, in Victorian times, this was one of the most dangerous jobs going. I mean, tigers, It was also one of the most lucrative. Well, yeah, if you survived, I mean, boiled in oil... <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, the money you earned when, you know, if you did this kind of job was insane. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. back then, back then, £1,000 was an immense amount of money. Yeah, I mean, that was, what, about 24000 in money from the uh, oh, late 1990s, early 2000s? So, yeah, just for one plant. Yeah. Um, but obviously they devastated the populations. The, these explorers would go out, and they weren't these sort of, you know, ecologically aware creatures that we are now. They would just go, right, I'll have all of that, and take them all, the whole lot. That's it, devastate the whole lot. And then they would ruin them so that nobody else could take them, so they had the exclusive set to cultivate back back at home as well, which was terrible. There were huge orchid plantations over in St Albans, apparently, when they got back, where they would cultivate them. So there you go. They, yeah. they weren't necessarily the nicest of explorers, some of these. I like the story about um, the guy who went to, was it Papua New Guinea? And he encountered the cannibals, and he went, oh no, and went home. And yeah. sort of said, yeah, uh, there was cannibals, so I didn't go, and he went, well, just get back there and bloody fight. <laughs> well, actually, there's 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 a longer bit to that story. I was just trying to um, to find that um, that article because I, I started when we were doing our research with Commander Palantir earlier, uh, and to to furnish uh, Amelia and the Galnet Rares with some of the history of these things, and and the actual stories I was reading were 
worthy in their own right, if you know what I mean, of, of a Galnet Res Digest. I mean, the, these, yeah. were, these were epic things. I think you should do some genealogy to see if uh, people who... Uh, ancestor of yours wrote stories <laughs> for the newspapers. <laughs> yeah, for, for Galnet Orchid Digest. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, it was... Um, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just trying to find the um, original... Uh, Original article that I had there, but it's uh, no, no, I know. There was there was the one as well that was boiled in oil. Yeah, the boiled That's, in oil. And who thought that was a real thing? Who thought that was made up? <laughs> yeah, well, somebody was short. Somebody, yeah, somebody, maybe an American, and they thought it was a turkey. Yeah, no, I'm thinking it's just that these these cannibals have been sitting going. Do you remember the story about somebody being boiled in oil? Ah, oh, we could do that. You know, <laughs> well, uh, yeah, yeah, the crispy was, one. Yeah, yeah. It, it, I mean, some some of these individuals. I mean, just just reading through the archives here. Um, here we go. So yeah, it was the eighteen hundreds. The William John Swainson, yeah, um, mm-hmm. and he literally he plucked a bunch of weeds and stuffed them in a box with some of the exotic plants he'd found. And then he got back and they bloomed. He went, "Wow, these look cool!" And made himself an absolute fortune. I think it was coming back <laughs> from Brazil as well. Um, here we go. A nineteen oh one expedition of eight men entered the jungles of the Philippines in search of orchids. One was eaten by a tiger. A second was doused in oil and burnt to death. Five more were never seen again. The lone survivor emerged with an enormous haul of Phalaenopsis, known as moth orchids, and promptly made his fortune. Now, what do you think? The five that were never seen again? I think they were down to the, uh, the one that survived. Yeah. I think he picked them off as they went. That was the 20th century, though. Do you know what I mean? That's That, was, that wasn't that that long ago. Yeah. It was, so was the first flight. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, just the, the the list of gruesome anecdotes that's stored over in Kew Gardens is um, is is quite quite scary, actually. I mean, Amelia, you got the easy one here. I mean, there's this guy who drowned in the Orinoco River. There's yellow fever. There's <laughs> malaria. There's dysentery. Um, here we go. And he, the guy who died of dysentery had to go back because his first haul was stolen by his rivals. So we had to go back and then caught dysentery. Um, the guy who published the travels and adventures of an orchid hunter did five trips in the to the Andes, and then his final expedition was stabbed to death. <laughs> it's just, Whoa! This is cracking, brutal. Who, who finished writing his book then? Well, he obviously wrote it and then <laughs> went to the as he was, adventures go- as he was going. Of, yes, yeah. <laughs> Published posthumously. Um, here yeah. we go. Yeah, so to, uh, Queen Victoria's royal um, grower employed 23 orchid hunters. Excellent. Um, then less than 1% of a ship's cargo of orchids made it safely back to market. There we go. Yeah, so the, yeah. Here, we, here we go. There's actually a statue over in Prague. You may have seen Palantir actually managed to find a picture of the statue. There's a statue in Prague <laughs> dedicated to a, a chap... Um, is one of the few guys who actually made it to retirement despite being robbed 17 times of all of his orchids <laughs> as well. Um, yeah, uh, for 40 years, this guy travelled across the Americas on horseback or on foot, um, finding seven well, seven orchid varieties have been named in his honour. There we go. Uh, but he um, he had a piratical look, so he... Here we go. Um, I mean, you, you think Benedict these look like Rosal. boffins or whatever else. No, an orchid hunter... Here we go. Benedict Rosal, an orchid hunter from Prague. It was especially striking because he had only one hand, the other having been replaced with a metal hook after yes. an accident while demonstrating some machinery he'd invented. Oh, <laughs> one of the okay. shittest limericks I've heard in a very long yeah. time. Yeah. It's the, the hand-removing machine. <laughs> yeah, only enhanced his <laughs> reputation as especially intrepid and ruthless orchid hunter. Yeah, I'm not surprised he's the only one who survived. And a handless one. Mm. Yeah. How, how did he pick them? Not very carefully with the other hand, mm. I'd imagine. Yeah, yes. um, come on, I'm kind of thinking if you've got one hand on the secateurs, or do you uproot the whole plant? You'd have yeah. to uproot the whole plant. Here, here, I mean, yes. here we go, another one. Yeah. 
uh, Wilhelm Michelitz, during a mission to New Guinea, was terrified by natives who practiced ritual sacrifice. Excellent. He collected a shipload of orchids and was getting ready to sail home when his ship caught fire. <laughs> I mean... Yeah. As he yeah. does. Yeah. Um, oh, was it an accident? Oh, no. Well, this is the one where he wrote to his... Take those orchids off Oh, no, own. what you should have done was a ritual sacrifice right there. Your ship would have yeah. been home in no time. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's... Did they all talk about that in the Andes? Yeah, William Arnold wrote to his boss's patron to reveal he'd been forced to pull a gun on his rival while collecting plants in Venezuela. Yes. Whoa. Sander <laughs> replied, advising him to follow his enemy, collect what he collected, and then when the opportunity arose, to urinate on the rival's plants in the hopes of destroying his hall. <laughs> this is... I mean, this is... These stories... Uh, Amelia, I mean, this is proof that <laughs> what yes. you're doing here with the Galnet Rares and the, the things, they are not that far-fetched, dangerous. are they? Yeah, the stories it's a true tradition. Yeah. Everything is based on truth. It is a little hint of truth, a tiny little hint of truth. Anyway, so yeah, I, I mean, wonders what we come up with next week. I mean, a bit of a bit of a plug, obviously. But yes, Amelia, we have put all of your well, most of your past episodes, with the exception of the audio-only ones, which we're going to try and recreate from the original audio, uh, up all over the forums. And they're getting lots and lots of love. This one will be joining them after this evening's show when we upload it as well. Uh, we do have a request as to whether we're going to be testing Buckyball beer mats. You know what? We should actually start taking requests for what Rare to do next. Mm. Um, I think it would be good to get the community involved in, in what, what kind of rares we do at any given moment. Yeah. Of course, it's just a suggestion. Yeah, obviously, yeah. they'd have to go to the page to look at the list of the 70-plus that we've done already. Yes. Um, yeah, it'd have to be make, you'd have to make sure it's not one that we've. And already you done. can't suggest the hut and mug because that's going to be the very, very last one that we do. Mm-hmm. And you can't this, say boaty This is never going to end. This is never going to end. No, we'll just keep we, adding. We them. could put up a little We're poll, gonna... couldn't we, on on Galbook or something, and say that's cool, and get people to vote for what they want. Maybe well, I don't pick, know. Pick a couple. Yeah, but see, there's a Will couple I'm saving for us. Uh, I mean, Amelia, we, we haven't sent you out a couple of the really special ones that, that I just, I have to wait for the right week for, for one or two of these. <laughs> well, you, could, you could make it about, an open poll. Or yeah, you could, you could make yeah. it um, like uh, five options. Harambee. Yeah. You know, and, and Harambee, just don't yeah. put any of the options <laughs> that you want to keep for oh, later. Yeah. I mean, the honesty Just pills. to get the community involved in this kind of thing a bit. <clears throat> the honesty pills we're saving for a special week as well. Yeah, because those not like that. <laughs> no, no. You're <laughs> no, what you fun. really think. Yeah. Oh dear, we better be sitting down. Nobody's allowed to get offended. Well, look, thank you very much. Everybody. I'm addicted. So, I'm addicted to those bloody things. <laughs> so, um, Flossie, obviously, we're hoping CGs might return, or do we think we might be getting a bit of a sabbatical over the holiday period? I really don't know. <laughs> your, your gut um, feeling? I mean, is is it just all oh, loads of loads of updates from the Pilots Federation this week, and um, mm, or is there something brewing on Galnet? I don't know if um, you no. know as much as me really. And then, apology uh, officer. Yes. Uh, mega weapons. I mean, super weapons. Uber weapons. Do we have any Me hints yet what they might be? Mega weapons. Super. Oh, uh, oh, they mean the salvation thing. No, yeah. I've got no idea. Oh, no well. idea at all. And I, I, I would say, I would just say to everybody, don't shoot the flower people. And Commander Chicks, do we think that the Thargoids would have been pushed back from those places anyway and Salvation is claiming to have a mega weapon they don't have? How would I know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> We're just hunting <laughs> orbit them, that's all. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, I, I leave the flower people alone. You do, do you? Yes. Yeah, I've never, never shot one. I've never oh. shot one. Only in so what, what is it the old uh, the old song um, beware of the flowers because they're going to get you yeah mm. 
Yeah, mm. listen to what all yep, the triffids. spinal the spinal taps on. Listen to what the flower people say. Ah, ah. you're singing again. Mm-hmm. I yeah. think I think that I'm has glad you recognise that. Yeah, yeah, yeah that has my <laughs> Right, Commander Palantir, who is on duty next week? Me. And uh, we have a show next I week. Am. We do, and oh. it's the day before Christmas Eve. Ooh. And now we don't like know yet whether we're going to have a special show following our own one next week or maybe the week after. And which will we do is special? We're waiting to hear from should, Mr. Shouty yeah. and LCU because we're hoping to be able to to help premiere and broadcast the very next episode of Beyond Dockers sometime soon. Mm. Two two good things about that. One is it's extremely funny, and the other bit is we don't have to write so much of the show. Then no, it's actually yeah. it's actually marginally shorter than one of our shows. Yeah, at a running order of I think one hour and twenty minutes so far, <laughs> featuring voices that may sound familiar, but they are yeah. definitely not connected to anybody you might hear well, on the radio. Well, it's really safe. I'd known that. They made my that longer. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'd love to connect with you, dear boy. Oh, <laughs> Yeah. Um, anyway, do, does anybody else have anything to add before we hand over to the randomizer that is the button for the end of the show? Just the one thing. One thing. Oh, oh. Yeah. oh. Turn your ears down. Warning. Hang on, hang on. Blow your I don't know if it's going to be broadcast tomorrow night, but there is the frontier. Uh, should have party. been last week. The party. Hmm. It's mentioned on the. Um, you know, on their event schedule. But I don't know if it's going to be streamed. Uh, I haven't had the invite yet, so... Or if it's just mm-hmm. for who were, people who were coming to the party, don't know. Yes, must admit. yes. It's only for know. them, but, I believe. Uh, oh, OK. Which would right. seem fair. Yeah. Well, I, I, I'll, I'll record it. Anyway. On, a, on a private Zoom thing. Yeah, well, unfortunately, I'm going to be away celebrating my wedding anniversary, yeah. so... so- so, yeah, so, so, yeah, so uh, you say it's a Zoom thing. It could be Braben's OnlyFans account, you know. Oh, 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 oh. Ouch. <laughs> Do you and like jumpers? I like jumpers. <laughs> Turn my headset down. Oh, You've got your headsets right. Everybody yeah. get your headsets turned down. No, I'm, keep, I'm keeping mine on because I don't care. Amelia's about to tell us something important. The mug. For the mug. For the mug. For the mug. 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 No journey too long and no cargo too small. The profit margins never really mattered at all. We're gonna take the cargo where it's needed today. Super cruising all across the Milky Way. We'll take anything, anytime, anywhere. Loading up the tea nice to the brim with grass. Follow the map, follow the map. Yeah, you know just where we're coming from. Follow the map, follow the map. Now everybody sing the hot and trucker song. Into the sun, Swivel acts the pilot on the Xbox One. Alvin at the front, you know he leads us well. Trucking across the galaxy, now everybody else. Follow the map, follow the map. Yeah, you know just where we're coming from. Follow the map, follow the map. Now everybody sing the Hutton Trucker song.
today. Super cruising all across the Milky Way. We'll take anything, anytime, anywhere. So shout it out loud like you don't even care. Fall back, fall back. Yeah, you know just where I'm coming from. Fall back, fall back. Now everybody sing the hot trucker song. and gentlemen. That's the end of the show. Everyone's buggered off now, so why don't you bugger off too?